0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is July the 6th, 2022. Um, it is lunchtime in San Francisco and 8pm in the UK in the United Kingdom. There's an epic, a big fire going on in the UK as I speak. Uh, the current prime minister, apparently, Boris Johnson, is refusing to resign despite cabinet delegation telling him to go. He's an obstinate man, um, both The Guardian and the BBC uh, report. Uh, he's refusing to quit, he's refusing to quit the kitchen, to get out, even though there's a huge fire there and he doesn't seem to be able to put it out, although he's always cheerful. Uh, As it happens today, history works in funny ways. We're talking to another Johnson, a Johnson based in the UK, who's also in the business of lighting fires, but her fire is a small fire. She's the author of a wonderful new book, Rebecca May Johnson, uh, Small Fires and Epic in the Kitchen. She's a food writer and a philosopher and, a, and, and, and somebody who I think is pushing out the boundaries of, of food writing and philosophical writing. And she's joining us from uh, the coast of England, South East England. Uh, uh, Rebecca, uh, greetings from San Francisco to Harwich. Um, Hello. Oops. What Hello. advice would I assume you're not um, related to Boris Johnson, even if you share the same name?
1: No relation as far as I know, and the blonde is fake. Uh, <laughs> is blonde yeah. or you're
0: fake? Or, or you're oh,
1: blonde? My blonde hair is, is fake, and I'm I no think his is that I know
0: of. Too. I mean, you're yeah. much less of a fake, Rebecca. I don't know you very well, but I can guarantee you're much less of a fake than Boris. What advice would you give as a cook to Boris Johnson in, in the kitchen as it burns? He doesn't even seem to acknowledge that he's in the middle of a fire.
1: I mean... God, if it's on fire, would I really tell him to get out of the kitchen? I'm not his biggest fan. Um, <laughs> get the fuck out of the kitchen and and, and out of government, please, <laughs> as soon as you can. Uh, don't hang around any longer. That would be nice. Uh,
0: this, is, um, this is a show, uh, Rebecca, about food and your new book rather than Boris yep. Johnson. I won't impose him on you anymore. He's imposed <laughs> himself on all of us, I think, for far too long. Your new book, Small Fires and Epic in the Kitchen, is an attempt, as I said earlier, to push out the boundaries, I think, of of food writing. What are you trying to do with Small Fires? What was the goal here? Um,
1: What was the goal? I was trying to think about the kind of thinking that I do in the kitchen, really. Um, I began thinking about the sort of critical and philosophical possibilities of cooking whilst I was doing my PhD, um, which was into um, a contemporary rewriting of Homer's Odyssey by a German poet uh, called Barbara Kurler, And in her rewriting of the Odyssey, she positioned uh, domestic labor by Penelope, so Odysseus's uh, wife. At the centre of her rewriting and sort of investigated the philosophical possibilities of weaving and the poetics of weaving and whilst i was doing this research i was doing a lot of cooking i'd begun writing uh, recipes as the sort of first form of personal writing that i'd done sort of first form of non-academic writing and i suddenly started thinking about how i was also pursuing questions about uh self and other about Knowledge, um, the relationship between body and language, in what I was doing through cooking, and I suddenly, you know, I started to think, well, why haven't, why haven't I been asking these critical questions in the kitchen? Why haven't I been thinking about this as a space of of inquiry beyond making food? And so, I began experimenting in my writing practice um, through different forms of poems, experimental essays, different things. Um, And so I suppose it was to try and understand uh, what what was so valuable um, in the kitchen in terms of what I was doing as part of my pursuit of knowledge and to try and understand what it meant about being in the world, um, especially as a kind of knowledge that I hadn't particularly seen taken seriously um certainly in in academia
0: do you think um i know most people who do phds i didn't do one and i'm happy i didn't um <laughs> do you think most people seem to hate it um was was the kitchen were you a kind of a refugee from academia did you escape into the kitchen was it a one way of escaping from your thesis
1: i'm sure my phd supervisors would say so um yeah, I found it, it's really, I mean, it was a very difficult uh, thing doing a PhD. It's very personally challenging. You're really sat there with you, you know, try, you don't even know what the question is half the time. Um, and you, it's very, you have to be incredibly self-motivated if you do a little, well, the, the type of PhD that I did a literary PhD. Sometimes if you do science, you can be part of a team, which can I think provide a little more solidarity. Um, and yeah i i i definitely i started my first ever blog in 2011 no it's, actually that's not strictly true i did a terrible fashion one before that but anyway um in 2011 yeah i think as a way to feel like i was being productive when i was unable to keep working on my thesis when i was so stressed uh, overwhelmed by <laughs> german philosophy and in, in classics and um struggling to make Progress, um, yeah, it was it was a place of of refuge, as I think it is for for many people. Um, yeah, and and I wanted to start valuing that labor and that and that what it was giving me, I suppose, in my writing and critical practice. Um, yeah, which I th- so uh, yeah, and I so one of the key chapters of the of the book. Is about cooking the same recipe a thousand times over a 10-year period um and you know the odyssey takes place over a, a period of 10 years right. and so
0: of course that explains the subtitle an epic an epic in the kitchen so
1: exactly Homer,
0: of course uh pioneered the the epic form
1: yeah
0: and rebecca you're developing it in the kitchen right
1: yeah i suppose it's a sort of feminist uh, claim to epic in a way, you know, why not have an epic in the kitchen? We, Odysseus on his journey over 10 years, encounters many people um, and through those encounters um, learns a lot about himself and the world. And similarly, the kitchen is a space where we encounter the world through cooking for other people, uh, learning different well culinary practices as well and really encounter ourselves when you cook the same thing over and over again it's a way of encountering yourself um how you're able to do it how you're feeling whether you feel horrified by what you've made maybe you you hate it or or on on another day maybe you feel really interested in it um the same recipe can't really be it's sort of it really is a form of Experiencing time as change, I think, when you try to when you return to the same recipe again and what, again.
0: What 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 was or what is the recipe that you kept on doing over ten years?
1: I don't know if I should I, if I should reveal the secret, but I will. Um,
0: well, don't give away this if, if it's going to undermine the book. I, I want people no. to buy the book, but if it doesn't, oh, it's okay. Do that.
1: It's um, it's a recipe actually by she's an American Italian writer, very beloved, I believe, called Marcella Hazan, but it's by her. Um she recently featured in a book by um Mayuk Sen um, about how seven immigrant women um changed American food. Um I think it was published by Norton, Norton either this year or last year. Anyway, he, he has a chapter about Marcella Hassan. Anyway, the but the very um well-known River Cafe restaurant in London, in West London, um one of the chefs there was asked by the Guardian, I think in two thousand five or six, to say what their favourite recipe was, and it was basically a piece about famous chefs' favourite recipes, and she chose a tomato sauce recipe by Marcella Hazan, and I was just in my first year of university when I, when I read this piece, um, I think at the end of my first year of university, and. I knew that my mum revered the River Cafe recipe books by Rose Gray and Ruth Rogers.
0: Yeah, I've uh, I, every kitchen I've had in England, and yeah. every kitchen you go in in England has that Rose, yeah. the, that River Cafe.
1: That book. they're really good, and um, whenever my mum cooked something from them, it was amazing. When I was a child, and but I was amazed to see that the recipe that she chose was. a a tomato sauce recipe that only had about four ingredients which was garlic uh tin of tomatoes olive oil and basil and she said that's what she cooks for for people when they come around because it's the best recipe there is and I was just really struck by how a recipe with only four ingredients incredibly you know even as a student I could afford to go and buy them was what she thought to be the best recipe and it it totally transformed my understanding of uh, ingredients and through that sort of almost everything (laughs) that wasn't me because it, the recipe sort of reveals uh, the hidden uh, depths and qualities of of, of the ingredients through the cooking process. Um, It was a complete revelation actually. And it made me think much more With much greater attention about what i was doing when i was cooking and then that that tomato sauce became the basis of hundreds of other recipes um many of which i document in the book um and became in a way the a bearer of memoir through cooking it over and over again the sort of the the sauce sort of collects life into itself yeah i mean Um, memoir
0: of course is a form of cooking too
1: yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um m- yeah, cooking is a great way to a practice of remembrance of people you know or people you've met or, or places you've been. Um and I wanted to think I I think I I come to a bit of an impasse about language and 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 the body in my studies because all the different sort of philosophical movements and and things I'd studied as an undergraduate master's and then PhD student seem to see the the passage from life into language as a kind of loss. Um, Including um, in the Odyssey, um, there's a famous analogy of the analysis of the Odyssey by the German philosophers Adorno and Horkheimer called dialectic of enlightenment. Anyway, they, so they talk about how Odysseus wants to control the world through language and he refuses the body and the emotions um, to do it in favour of language. But in the recipe text, I was seeing the body return to language again and again, because in the recipe as a text is is actually not the final destination of our information. It's a kind of stopping off point because the recipe, if you're going to record it, is a gesture to, to future life, to future occasions of living. And so I found in that a sort of way to resolve some of the questions I had um, about that difficulty between language and the body that I kept coming yeah, up against. It's funny that
0: you bring up Adorno. I don't think there has been a philosopher in history who has been more wrong more criticized, more absurd. Now, we did a show earlier this week on the origins of abstract modern art. And of course, Adorno was also extremely hateful towards abstraction, seeing it as some sort of degenerate form of art from the left. So it's interesting that good old uh, Adorno, Theodore Adorno, uh, pops up everywhere. I bet you, uh, Rebecca, he was a terrible cook. He looks like a terrible cook. He looks like he only ate sausage if he was lucky.
1: Probably. <laughs> well, I don't know if you mentioned sausage intentionally, because I do have a, a whole chapter about sausages. In my oh, well,
0: tell me. I love sausages.
1: I love sausages, too. I've become very preoccupied by sausages. Um, I love I recently read. I, I was very late coming to Joan Didion. I recently read in I think it's her first book of essays uh, slouching towards Bethlehem. Joan Byers is um, kind of utopian school that she set up and every day they begin their day by eating potato salad and frankfurters together which and and potato frank potato uh, salad and frankfurters keeps coming up again and again for me since i've read that but um yeah in in one of the chapters in the book i i take up the uh the psychoanalyst dw winnicott um
0: yeah, who's a who's a big inspiration of your of your friend Catherine? um yes Angel, who recommended your book, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago with her book "Daddy Issues,"
1: which is a fantastic book. Highly recommend it. Um, big fan of big fan of all Catherine's work. Um, you've got to start with "Unmastered" as well, mm. her first uh, book, which is her
0: sort of sexual autobiography, isn't it?
1: Yes, a very experimental, um, amazing, just yeah, groundbreaking piece of writing. Um, and, and actually, and, and yeah, to go back to Winnicott, I'm a big fan of Winnicott um, as well. And I, I love his writing on play, especially which I, I cite in my book, but I, I'm actually very critical of him. He he tries to, to trash talk recipes. Um, he writes a kind of theory of what it is to live creatively. And he says that Uh, Cooking from Recipes is the Antithesis of Creative Living, and he cites um, a sausage recipe by Mrs Beaton, so Mrs Beaton, the 19th century writer of uh, housekeeping manuals and and cookery books, Um, and he said either you can follow a recipe Either I he says, either I could follow Mrs. Beaton's recipe for sausages and it would be a slavish experience and I would get nothing from it but compliance. Or I could cook a sausage as if for the first time ever with no recipe and have an original encounter. Um, and I yeah, I, I I kind of use use that binary that he sets up to 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 sort of tease him and, and explore um, what is behind that aversion to to recipes. And we're well, taking I'm, orders,
0: uh, recipes uh, yeah. um, are very German, aren't they? You, you do what you're told, kicking uh, <laughs> on Adorno again. Um, I think it's very uh, the, hard the to The good cooks I've here. known, um, Rebecca, yeah. and, and maybe I'm wrong here. You're clearly a very good cook and I'm oh. curious as the role of recipes in your life and your cooking, the, the good cooks I know. Tend to be pretty spontaneous and creative when it comes to recipes. I assume when you cooked and recooked your tomato sauce over ten years, you weren't relying, certainly at the end, on a recipe.
1: Well, I mean, can we live in a world without recipes? In the sense that, really, uh, it's impossible to live outside of an uh, outside of having uh, an indexical relationship to. To a recipe so um so you know Winnicott's fantasy of, of, of cooking without a recipe for sausages well there's, there's a sausage recipe in the odyssey he, there's, there's a sausage recipe in the very air that he breathes um similarly even if i'm cooking without specifically looking at the recipes say so the tomato sauce recipe i'm nonetheless in dialogue with it or with the concept of tomato sauce which you know ultimately is arises out of out of a recipe so I think that it's not an either or I think we're always cooking in dialogue with other cooks or recipes or dishes that we've encountered before um you know that we've eaten or that we've seen we, we carry a,
0: not we because I'm not a cook but yeah one carries recipes with them which speaks of oneself and where one's from i know my wife's mother's from mississippi yeah and the recipes that not that she uses them she's an excellent cook an expert cook but they're they're rooted in her experience growing up in rural mississippi what 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 kind of background did you have You, you talked about your mother where did you grow up
1: i grew up um in a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere in Suffolk, which is a, a rural county about two hours away from London, um, we had no neighbours <laughs> uh, at all. Um, my mother's a great cook. The, the kitchen's really her space of, of expression and almost of, of, of speech, of articulation. And that's another reason that I really wanted to to write this book to, I think for many people oft, and, and often women, Cooking can be a form of, of articulation and speech um, when other forms of, of, of linguistic uh, communication don't feel available in the same way. Um, and I think recently I went somewhere and my mum uh, made me a pet lunch, which hasn't happened in some in some years. And and she wanted my dad. To, she wanted my dad to say, oh, send my love but but she'd she'd sent her love already she'd she'd made this packed lunch um and you know she's very uh detailed maker of packed lunches you know she thinks in great detail about how it's composed and what what different things might give you pleasure in in a packed lunch (laughs) anyway um yeah so I, I grew up she didn't particularly teach me loads of things to cook but I grew up in an environment with uh with the mother for whom cooking was a, a a really big thing for her and a big way of her expressing herself really yeah
0: the more I talk to you uh, Rebecca I'm, I'm thinking about where a kitchen should be in the house I assume in the farmhouse you grew up in Suffolk and perhaps in your house in Harwich um, the kitchen is downstairs in a very conventional place remember in Buñuel's great movie, *The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie*, the bathroom and the kitchen and the dining room were somehow combined. <laughs> um, your friend Catherine Angel per, per, perhaps might suggest that the the kitchen and the bedroom might be the same or certainly adjoining. Where, where should a kitchen be in a house? Or does it matter? In America, I'm not sure how familiar you are with America. People have these huge downstairs kitchens. There. Obs- they're not very good cooks, but they're all so obsessed in San Francisco with huge kitchens that somehow the kitchen has colonized the house, even if cooking hasn't. It's a very weird thing.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I watch um, I watch the Kardashians sometimes and I, they're all constantly renovating their houses and they have, as you described, very large kitchens. And that's increasingly a fashion in the UK as well, although... I think our housing is, on the whole, maybe smaller uh, than in America. Um, yeah, I suppose it's a space of. It, I think it speaks to a yearning to come together uh, yeah. among people, um, especially when maybe I don't know if people feel somehow alienated from each other in other ways. Well, the, the our house. age of
0: anxiety and loneliness and separation. It's yeah, I think it's right, and yet. That's not a way of fixing it, is it? Especially if you can't cook.
1: No, it's not what we really need is big communal kitchens and so better social spaces and uh canteens where you can sort of accidentally start talking to somebody when you're queuing for, you know, uh sponge pudding and custard or something. You no, know, that's like sounds like the 1950s. Um, but yeah, I mean, what's a way of solving alienation? I don't know, a revolution, perhaps. Um, you think
0: that the kitchen should? Why it was downstairs then? Why, why, why shouldn't you have an upstairs yeah. kitchen?
1: I don't know. Psychologically, it's interesting, isn't it? I'm sure, as you as you say, Catherine could produce a wonderfully uh, brilliant Freudian um, analysis. Is it no. just too erotic to have eating and sleeping? Yeah, and you're, so-
0: you are, Catherine is. A writer on psychoanalysis and sexuality but you're interested in that area too what yeah uh what what are the 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 erotic elements in 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 your analysis of the kitchen in small fires
1: yeah um there's a lot I think there's erotics throughout the book um as as food is well um so I guess one of the ways I try to address or incorporate the sort of erotic and intimate dimensions of sort of all relationships beyond, uh, I suppose, heteronormative models of what relationships are is to just call everyone who isn't me, you in the book. Um, there's a the writer called Anne Boyer, um, who's, who's American. And um, I subscribed to her newsletter called Mirabaleri. Uh, she, she wrote a very well-known book, I think came out a couple of years ago called the, the undying. Um, anyway, um, yeah, and you
0: have your own newsletter on Substack. Um,
1: oh, I do. Yes, called Dinner Document, and it's, yeah, which we it's have a sorry. nice
0: image here. So, oh yeah, everybody has a newsletter. All good food writers, don't they, uh, Rebecca? They,
1: yeah. I, I think, um, I, I think, yeah. I wanted to sort of document my weekly cooking and eating, really, and 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 give a space for sort of essays and that might not necessarily immediately become something bigger but but to sort of hold on to those thoughts and this week as there was in the headline just there I had something about Freud's uh analysis about salmon mayonnaise um there's a great new book by a writer called Noah Al-Sadir called Animal Joy it's coming out in both in the U.S. and the U.K. and um it's about joy but anyway she um she writes about Freud's uh, analysis about eating salmon mayonnaise. But anyway, wait. What was oh, I saying? Well,
0: say? So, so I, I, I want to come to writing and writing and cooking. But let's go back to the erotic. You, you didn't. Oh yeah. Uh, I think I interrupted so, you a little bit. Oh yes, yeah, I mean, so which the, is probably um, appropriate given we're talking about the erotic.
1: So when I was writing the book, I received a newsletter from from Anne Boyer's newsletter that I'm subscribed to, and she had this one little paragraph in it about you um oh gosh I should find it oh no I can't find it anyway uh, and um it I I cite it in the book and it just became a really this you the you that that could be anyone or or could be a lover or could be a friend became a really useful tool for me to uh have sort of horizontal horizontal quality to all the relationships in the book so the the erotics and the difficulty uh, and the intimacy of all of them was quite sort of equal Um, but yes, I think the point is about food is that I mean you take things out of your body that are, that are from outside your body and put them into your body, which is you know, in, inherently incredibly erotic. Um, and you know, in psychoanalysis, there's so much about that and food and the breast and et cetera, and you know, needing something um, in that way is um, so bound up with our with our very being. Um, but food you know the only measure of whether a recipe works or whether food is any good is 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 how it tastes, how it impacts the body. so it's really a sort of form of knowledge that's so bound up with erotics it's It's very hard to um to separate them really, although I think often they are in this sort of in the, in the language that is of is, cookery books or uh...
0: well, Freud's I mean it depends how you look at it. I mean obviously yeah. some writers like Freud focus exclusively on that stuff others don't what about um writing and cooking you talk about cooking the same thing for 10 years Malcolm Gladwell famously said you have to do whatever you're a writer a tennis player you have to keep on practicing did you find that the act of or do you find that the act of writing and the act of cooking that they require a similar kind of attention to repetition to keep on d- in a discipline way keep on doing the same thing and improving yourself i assume you wanted to be a better cook whatever that means by keep on practicing the same recipe and i assume with your writing your newsletter your your various journalism all the stuff you do even on twitter that you want to be a better writer are they similar writing and cooking
1: yeah I've, you know they're both iterative practices. And um, it's an annoying thing to say maybe to writers on their way to writing a book that or you know, who want to write a book or whatever that you have to just keep doing it (laughs) over and over again. Um, Which is which is part of what makes it I don't know. um, It's exciting. You know, I think cooking is a way of finding out about things you find out about the ingredients that you're working with and the different qualities they can have when you use them in different ways and you apply your attention differently and you also find out about yourself through the process you know what you're drawn to um, what you know what gives you pleasure and what frustrates you and, and similarly in in writing I feel like um, I think a lot about things like rhythm when I'm writing, how it feels to, to read a text, whether it's going to be fast or slow. I, I think about reading as quite a physical experience. And yeah, it's, as you say, it's iterative. And um, I'm also very grateful to the PhD supervisor who drilled me. Uh, she knew on writing, I, you know, sentences, she knew every single, she knew the technical term for every tiny unit of grammar. That you might ever need to use, and was always a- bollocking me for my terrible grammar, um, which up until that point I hadn't realised was so quite so quite. What so about um,
0: Rebecca? The influence of technology. We did a show last week with another English writer, Jenny Kleeman. She has a new book out: "Sex Robots and Vegan Meat: Adventures yeah. at the Frontier of Birth, Food, Sex, and Death." I think it's a book. I don't know if you know it. But I think it's a book you'd enjoy, and she'd probably enjoy your work. Yeah. Um, you grew up on a farmhouse in Suffolk. You don't strike me as a particularly high tech person, although maybe I'm being unfair.
1: Well, I'm outraged.
0: Um, <laughs> I'm guessing that your 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 kitchen in in where you live is not very high tech. Um, what do you think of things like vegan meat and all these technological advances? We even had a, a show a couple of years ago with my old friend Pope Bronson, who's a Silicon Valley thinker, entrepreneur, investor. And he imagines that genetic engineering is a lot like cooking. Um, And he thinks of himself in the the lab in his new book, Decoding the World, as if he's in the kitchen. Should there be a separation between tech, advanced technology, and cooking and food, or are they essentially the same thing?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I'm not profoundly an expert in these things I don't know if you're aware of the American writer um Alicia Kennedy no she has a very successful Substack, um and she I should writing... get her on
0: the show you're, you're a, a mine of information Rebecca oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna you, use you, you should as get a her on the show. you're gonna have to introduce me to all these
1: people she's 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 the expert in, and she's writing a book about uh some some of these questions to do with things like technology and vegan meat and, and things like that, which is and she's US well, she's actually yeah, she's based in Puerto Rico. Anyway, that's coming out in the US, I think, next year, but she's got a wildly successful substack. Um anyway, um more I successful didn't... than yours. Oh yeah, she's been doing it for much longer than me. I mean she she's a real professional operation um I'm, I only I started mine a few months ago, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, I mean, I've got a few thousand subscribers, but I think Alicia has like twenty thousand subscribers. Anyway, you should check her out. Um, she, she's she's a, she's a really. If you want to have a really good chat about about food and 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 technology, I think she would be really good on it. But um, yeah, I think we I think with food and technology, I think we just have to avoid thinking that one invention is going to be the kind of silver bullet to solve problems with the environment or, or uh, you know, labor issues and and things like that. Um, I think sometimes things, if they seem to be good to be true, they, they probably are. Um, yeah, we so know that
0: we, from Boris Johnson, don't we?
1: <laughs> well, quite. Um, yes, when he was trying to be the mayor of london lots of people even on the left were taken in well not on the left but anyway yeah he, he's uh, turned out to be a lot more damaging than some people initially uh, anticipated certainly so um, um
0: let's end because uh, you all this talk about food uh, rebecca making me yeah. hungry i'm going to have to go into my kitchen and make myself some lunch um <laughs> Let's end with a note about agriculture. You said you grew up in Suffolk on a farm. Uh, I did a show earlier this week with the great environmental writer, George Monbiot. I'm sure you're very familiar with his work, Mm -hmm. maybe even his new book, Regenesis, feeding the Mm -hmm. world without devouring the planet. He's not a cooking writer, but he's very interested in food. He believes that we've really fucked up the world in terms of our lack of appreciation for farming and for the soil. Um, and that we need to quite literally return to our roots. Do you agree with him? In terms of your writing about cooking and your practice of cooking and your focus on an epic in the kitchen, going back to Homer, do we need to return to a, a less industrial form of agriculture if we're to save ourselves, our planet and our species? easy question to end on Rebecca
1: sort of world oh so I didn't actually grow up on a farm a farmhouse so sadly not around um around farming practices although I do have an allotment which uh I don't use chemicals on and I I grow lots of I grow vegetables um etc um yeah I think you know monocultures are very have been proven to be really bad for uh for soil health and and things like bees um but I think I think capitalism capitalism is, uh, is is at the root of a lot of uh, the issues with industrialized food processes and just in time production and ultra processed foods and things like that. Um, so I think it it's, it needs a, a whole s- systemic approach really um, to work um, to feed everyone um, with good labour practices in a way that isn't going to destroy everything. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think we need to listen to some people who haven't been listened to. Um, yeah,
0: I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. Certainly, I think in this com- hopefully by the end of this conversation um Rebecca Boris Johnson your namesake will have quit and we perhaps they may have appointed you prime minister. It certainly would oh, be a better
1: a <laughs> better be nice. deal,
0: but congratulations on this new book Small Thank you. Fires it's um Oh, wait. it's very quirky like you it's interesting I think you're an important new voice and I'm excited about this work and your Substack and all your other writings so congratulations on that and it's a real honor to have you on the show uh in addition to Small Fires and Epic in the Kitchen your new book which is out I think next month in in, in August um what else would you you, you certainly are extremely well right what else would you briefly would you suggest people read
1: Well, two books I've read uh, in the last month. Um, So this book is coming out in a few weeks by the British writer, Angela Hoy. So this is a proof uh, copy. So I think you can see that. Yeah,
0: it's called Takeaway.
1: And it's about, it's an amazing book about growing up um, with parents running a Chinese takeaway in rural Wales. Um, It's got lots of amazing um, thinking in it, funny examples, um, encounters of racism, um also recipes it's just full of delicious food and and the difficulty of, of 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 immigration into rural wales and running a running takeaway and it's just it's a fantastic read i can't recommend it enough and it's out next month do you know her um i do know her we've met once or twice and um, um, well you're gonna have
0: to introduce me i won't I'd love i to will and I,
1: I really hope i'd love to see it as a film as well it's such a brilliant book but anyway so that's out in a few weeks and then secondly this book is um, actually is, is published in America. This is my um,
0: dead book by Nate Lippins.
1: Yeah. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's fiction, but it's, it's an amazing narrative about all of, uh, all of the protagonists, friends who died, um, mostly gay men um, for lots of different reasons. And it's, it's a very loving book and a very tragic book, but it's in no way sentimental, and it doesn't have sort of, I suppose, bourgeois moralism about about living, uh, how you should live. You know, there's lots of sex work and drugs and 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 HIV and all sorts of things in the book, but it it isn't trying to kind of, it's not sentimentalizing. Or anything like that but whilst being at the same time very moving and serious and 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 also very funny I I think it is published in the US in the UK it's published by Pilot Press which is an amazing small publisher I don't know who published it in the US but I just read it and I was just astounded it's so good Um, so yeah I these books are are brilliant (laughs) I can't recommend very different